welcome to the Sensual Artistry Podcast, exploring erotic awakenings and liberated love. I'm your host, Luna Agnea, essential arts and intimacy facilitator, relationship coach, tantrika, and artist with a passion for the path of liberation through love. In this podcast, you will receive firsthand stories of sacred erotic awakenings, transformational experiences, and love that goes beyond limits. This podcast is here to inspire, educate, and awaken your own sensual artist. Because when you liberate your eros, you liberate your life. All right, so this week's episode, I am going to be splitting into two sections because it was a really juicy conversation. We had so many different things to talk about. And yeah, I think it was over an hour in total. So we're going to have part one and part two. So here's part one. I hope you enjoy. All right, so today I have Mia Moore with me from, yeah, where are you originally from? You're uh, Finnish, was it? Or I'm from <gasps> Finland. That's really yeah. well remembered. <laughs> Finland to Berlin to Australia. <laughs> Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Um, yeah, I don't really know what to say. I feel like I'm this chameleon of the world that just keeps traveling and gypsying around and finding herself in different communities, different projects, different ventures, but mainly centered around embodiment and in the recent years, sexuality and relating. And um, yeah, I feel like the embodiment and creativity threads have kept on going for the longest. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm pursuing potential academic futures. Ooh, lovely. Yeah, me and I first uh, connected live with each other on a panel for people that had been in the adult industry and the intersection with like the spiritual um, folks that had also, you know, done adult industry work as well. So that was, yeah, nice to have that conversation. Um, It was a really good one as well (laughs) for people that were on that shadow side of the feminine summit. Mm -hmm. yeah and today we wanted to connect and chat a bit about yeah I guess like there's quite a few (laughs) topics uh, coming up around this but yeah it's around kind of power and spiritual communities and uh the intersection of you know the kind of therapeutic healing work especially around sexuality and spirituality and then the transformational realm and you know kind of things that are coming up a lot in our field at the moment. Um, so yeah, do you want to first, I guess, start with like a bit of a, your story uh, <laughs> around, yeah, you, you're you navigating this field and what you've learned and come to. Yeah, I think I want to mention something since I've been in a really big backtrack of my own history and life and how did I end up in this place in the end of mm. 2022. Um I was really interested in psychology and arts therapeutics and I went to study therapy quite early on and like really was excited about making a difference in the world through like creative means of therapy, which was really based on movement and, you know, play, um, Mm -hmm. particularly with the adult world. And I left that community back in 2013 partly because it wasn't handling sexuality, partly because it wasn't dealing with 
that aspect. And I realized if I become a therapist, I'm not allowed to touch people's genitals. I'm not allowed to even almost like address this whole functioning of our psyches, which is so interlinked with our genitals and our like interrelationships in the world. And as a young woman, um, I had quite quite a lot confronted all kinds of, you know, advances and attentions and propositions. And I didn't really know how to make sense of it. And I knew that that was something that I needed to pursue. And um, a friend of mine recommended that I go and um, do a course with ISTA. And mm. hence, it was almost seven years ago now that I got involved with that and kind of met um, one of the teachers who, you know, I became an apprentice or assistant assistant to really quickly and pursued that thread for about two years and kind of saw the glory of the kind of what transformational sexuality work and archetypal play can bring to people. And I also feel like I saw the the shadow and the the dramatic, cathartic, um, almost like dissociation from what's healthy psychological growth versus what's kind of like um, delusional, um, dogmatic mm. world of self-aggrandizement. Yeah. yeah. That's a summary. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and... Yeah, so you started playing around with that and um, exploring that realm. And then where did you go from there, like after starting to apprentice and assist with ISTA? Mm, I didn't um, I didn't apprentice with ISTA. I pr- apprenticed particularly with um, Bruce's work. Um, uh-huh. For those who know, uh, he's a really famous character and has done a lot of his own approach to um I guess psychosexual healing Mm -hmm. and he was doing his own workshops completely separate from any affiliation and they were called wild this series of workshops and it was literally the first statement was I am not your father I am not here to hold your hand this is for you to go through and you know take whatever you can out of it and I thought that was amazing coming from like the therapeutics where we're so safe and um in a way in like there's a similarity in terms of giving up the leadership position like uh, for me a true teacher doesn't actually lead by example they're almost like stepping back and just being part of a circle of like okay we're all equal here and we all make observations of each other so I was like okay there's something to it and Mm -hmm. yet obviously as a young naive um apprentice to this lineage um I feel like definitely there was a modeling of the behavior of my my teacher my elder and um I think I didn't really feel like there was a problem with it up until um things kind of changed towards uh, when Haydn began and Haydn became this like mystery school. So I saw the process of like that being formed or signed contracts for and the fundraising around it and the hype around it and then coming there and assisting the first training essentially. And then 
because of the experiences that I had during that first training, I was like, this is not healthy work. Like we've somehow stepped uh, far, far away from what's healthy to the psyche for what's healthy to the people to go through. And I felt like I just saw nervous systems getting fried. And even in terms of having lived in community experiments before, it was it was so intense. It was like so out of the radar of what's possible and how to do things and including relating, including just like the um, the pace of temples and, you know, practices and psychological processing. And um, it was just nonstop. And mm. I, I kind of got used to it. I had like a pretty good threshold to it, but it also I saw how people got burned out and you know started to have my doubts and yet you know at that point Haydn was this rising beacon of transformational work um so it was really hard to go against it speak about it and get kind of diminished based on like oh that's just your personal experience um yeah so I've been on a journey trying to work through that and I guess all of my friends have been a part of this community in some way in the last six years so yeah I'm coming out of the other end and really wanting to find the way to bridge the therapeutic and the transformational work saying that they're not separate and they shouldn't be separate like there's something Mm -hmm. from both baskets that we need to I guess integrate and look at um, just before that, could we just clarify for people that might not be so familiar with like Isura Haydn, just you want to give a little bit sure. of a uh, quick brief of what that is. Um, uh, ISTA is International School of Temple Arts. I feel like mm-hmm. they're quite worldwide and famous by now, which I think they weren't at the time. Like seven years ago, it was still like you kind of heard, like it was referenced through word of mouth. So someone mm-hmm. would have told you like, oh my God, I went to this amazing training and like everything changed for me and mm-hmm. came out completely different. And that's that's the pitch I heard and yeah. watched some videos online and it was really mystical. I read um, the book by Des and Kamala Devi before I went. So I was like, okay, there's a familiarity to the concepts they were teaching. And Haydn came off the back of that, particularly initiated by Bruce Lyon. Um, and it, I guess, is um, a modern day mystery school, which doesn't really say a lot to a lot of people. I feel like mystery schools have then again popped up like mushrooms everywhere. So there's also a trend that I'm seeing. Um, but he's got a particular dogma, particular philosophy that it's based on. And a lot of the teachings are let's say they're affiliated but they're not the same as ISTA so there's definitely a difference that I see in the techniques yeah and so yeah ISTA runs like one week based trainings like in different levels and then Haydn's like a six week in person well I mean they did online during the pandemic but yeah I'd actually applied in 2020 to go but then the borders were all shut because of pandemic so I didn't end up there but I was yeah like hearing some interesting things about it where everyone's like yeah it's intense and there's all kinds of stuff going on that you're not going to get anywhere else but also people saying like but also I'm not sure if I could recommend it to people because 
it's so intense and because of some of the stuff going on and I, I seem to be hearing kind of mixed things and I was kind of challenging myself like oh would I be able to go to a place that I kind of know is basically a cult and uh, get some medicine from it and get to experience some really cool rituals and really cool things without getting like pulled into it because my observation was like quite a few people that were in that scene like there was some really awesome people but then there was also a lot of people that I found kind of the spiritual narcissists, like really intense um, people. Yeah. That I'd like kind of uh, seen with very like the culty language where there's very much a language of people that are part of that um, school and part of that. Yeah. The dogma, I guess, or the, the tradition and yeah, that there, there's a certain way that they speak and a certain like ethos and stuff that I'm kind of like, I feel like a little bit of a resonance with, but also a little bit not. So I found it quite interesting to like observe and consider um, myself going there. <laughs> yeah. mm. I feel like it's interesting because I, I was probably on the, the other tidal wave of leaving the school around 2019. Mm. Um, and then really seeing the same effect, like watching my friends online speaking in gibberish of like this actually like the more I'm peeling layers off, it do- just doesn't sit with me anymore. Like it doesn't apply to the outside world. And mm-hmm. when you're in it, and I still fully acknowledge that whole piece around like you can't get this sort of experiment, human laboratory anywhere else in terms of relating um. and all of that like I really appreciate and I feel like everyone who's gone through that process hopefully appreciates the the gifts of the intensity and the experimentation Um, and yet yeah there's there's just like all these troubling characteristics that start to I guess become more obvious the further distance you take from it um which is yeah now under a big debate yeah and I mean i was at a training earlier this year that also was very intense. It was more based on like Osho, um, the Osho style work. And yeah, there was like, again, a lot of intensity. And um, yeah, it was quite interesting noticing like how I was before the training and feeling quite like balanced and grounded in myself and quite like comfortable and confident and feeling quite empowered. And then after like so much intensity and so much like, shadow intense like we're going to crush your ego we're going to like pull apart the stuff and I really was feeling so I don't know separated from myself and so and it was really yeah hard to describe the kind of thing that was happening to my psyche even after just those few weeks and you know with me trying to like keep pretty good boundaries and stuff like that but um, yeah, I was quite surprised Stephen for myself, he's done quite a lot of work like previous to that kind of environment and felt that I was pretty like solid in myself and had like, you know, developed a pretty good level of, I guess, like self-esteem mixed with ego dissolution work and feeling pretty, you know, able to be in that oneness and that unity and um, not take things so personally and all that. And then how much I kind of 
fell apart within just a series of a few weeks. And it really taught me like, wow, like these environments are no joke, like going into that much intensity and like the kind of patterns of fawning that show up when you have like this leader. And even if you don't agree with them, how you can start to question yourself and your sanity and all your beliefs. And um, I mean, that falling apart could be good if it was really held with like, deep love and compassion and there was enough um like i would say this kind of motherly holding <laughs> you know where it's like oh mm. you can fall apart and we'll hold you and cuddle you back and until you're feeling strong again but when that peace mm. wasn't there i was just kind of like what's even happening and i was like okay i need to take this more seriously about what environments i go into with this kind of work because mm. if i could um end up so shifted in a negative way <laughs> Uh, within just a few weeks, like, yeah, I really see how um, these environments can kind of really negatively impact people, um, especially if they don't already have that much of a yeah foundation before they get into the space and they're coming in there way more naive than I was when I was entering the space. So, yeah. Yeah, I, this brings up so many good points around resilience or, mm. you know, like how much psychological work have you already done versus, yeah, like even such as yourself, I feel like being equipped to handle quite a lot of like holding yourself up, but then being in a group environment, everything's just like magnified to a whole other level. And um, there's like a group hypnosis that I'm tracking mm in spaces i mean like i had it even in my therapy education we did dance therapy and we had a group process and for the whole time even if it was two days a week um we were in a process all together so like whatever you're signing up for whatever the the length of it is you are going to be like in a process for that long plus probably the the downfall afterwards is going to last for potentially years which i've noticed with integration from Haydn training like it's it's six week package and then if you leave and you try to integrate it into your life it might be a year or at least six months before you kind of like return to some form of normalcy and I guess mm -hmm. it's designed as a way of not doing that as a lot of transformational work I suppose is cued as being like your life will be transformed forever mm -hmm. so the problematics of why would you want your life to transform in the first place? Like, are you running away from problems that you're not facing and you just want a quick fix solution to it? Um, going into a place that's potentially not held by anyone and that's really a personal inquiry, I suppose. How much holding do you need and stuff? Mm -hmm. Like we were definitely trying to hold each other and yet there's, you know, as someone coming from a psychology and therapy background, I was like, I am incapable of holding a room of 20 people or 24 people going into their childhood wounds and processes consecutively mm. for six weeks of time if I'm also a part of it, if I'm also doing this process. Mm. Um, it was just like a matter of fact. I can't be both a participant in the experiment and holding people that are going yeah. through it. Yeah. Um, so I'm really hoping that our kind of conversation is on the basis of how do we bridge and how do we actually find the sweet spot? Because we want to, I guess, do this work in the world of like, hey, I want to offer people a safe space to go into spaces that they need 
to process information in. And I'm so yeah. happy and proud of our generation for doing a lot of childhood mother, father wound work. I do feel like it's carrying some effect, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, what kind of holding does it take? Yeah, and it's interesting, like I was mentioning with this, like kind of, yeah, I mean, they say there's like the sort of uh, motherly compassionate holding and then there's like the fatherly, uh, like challenging energy. And I've found, yeah, like different teachers will definitely hold and it's not even related to their gender because I've definitely had female teachers that are very <laughs> like father challenging energy and I've had male teachers that are very compassionate um and yeah it's just interesting noticing I guess because like for me working in the adult industry and having a pretty intense like you know getting into drugs very early when I was younger and I I've had a lot of like the challenge and intensity in my life and you know I've always lived outside my comfort zone and done a lot of crazy shit. So when I look at like the spaces that I have entered and the trainings I've done and stuff like that, um, the thing that was healing for me was getting compassion and sweetness and, you know, invited to slow down and having people really like, no, like, you know, you're beautiful, you're powerful, like you got this and uh, like this really sweet, like, yeah, you're, you got this, you can do it. You're amazing. And like, okay, yeah, I can do it. And like letting my guards down and being like, okay, it's all right to let people in. It's okay to trust. It's okay to allow myself to be held because I was avoidant attachment. So, you know, for me, it was always like, I've got this, I'm sovereign. I can take care of myself. Like, don't check in on me. I'll just, you know, if I'm triggered, I'm just going to like leave and take care of myself. And some of these um, spaces will be like, yeah, don't don't go into caretaker mode. People can ask for help if they need it. But like my avoidant attachment didn't let me ask for help. So what actually was supportive was to actually then have teachers or care team or whatever, like come to me and be like, hey, it's okay to get support. We're here for you. It's okay. Like you're not a burden. So it's felt like a burden. Um, so that for me was like where so much healing and upgrading and change and real like deep shift in my life came was from um yeah having much more of that like compassionate loving supportive and then yeah of course going into some intense processes like you know doing the the deep work and screaming out the you know intergenerational trauma of <laughs> witch burnings and blah 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 and doing all that that kind of stuff but definitely like feeling that that love and support um around it while when i've been in environments that are just all like challenge sovereign challenge sovereign then i've just kind of felt myself just shut off more and just go back into old patterns um but i guess different people are different like i've noticed and now when i'm running trainings there's definitely some people that like you know they they haven't being challenged they haven't done the edgy stuff they've always played it safe in their life and they've always had you know people taking care of them or whatever so they do need a bit more of an edgy challenge zone for them to kind of get a little bit tougher and stronger so it's definitely not the same mm. for everyone um but yeah I definitely was just redoing patterns um of like intensity junkie and you know radical sovereignty like that was that was me. So that's not healing to just do that again. Mm. Yeah, I can totally relate to, hey, I just want to be challenged and I want to like do the edgiest thing in the universe and like see how I feel about it. I'm so like totally up for it. Um, mm. 
And I want to recognize that in every, like in psychology, you talk about transference and countertransference, like the fact mm-hmm. that you're, whoever you're teaching is going to become the the child. And if you're a teacher position, you're always going to be the parent. And I feel like mm-hmm. the biggest choice in the field is like, are you going to be a good parent or a bad parent? And mm-hmm. are you going to model your own parents or are you going to really try to, like what I hear from your description is actually trying to fix those like patterns of parenting um, Mm. to be encouraging of the freedom of the child and like the exploration of the child so ultimately I feel like it comes down to having enough freedom in the space that people are allowed to explore and challenge their own edges and like I've been trying to do this with my dance um, field where I don't really interfere I don't really do a lot but I'm I'm there and I'm not Um, I'm not getting wrapped up in any personal dynamics whilst I'm holding space in a way of like, okay, I'm still holding safety in the field. If I see someone who's, you know, out in the corner, I'm going to go check on them. Like these little bits of, you know, you're actually parenting 20 or, you know, a hundred children together. It takes a lot. It's like a full-time job. Yeah. And, you know, this comes down to also the big talk around like resistance or when someone's in resistance and if they're not doing it right and they're not having a big enough release or something. And, um, you know, the like as a facilitator, are you kind of getting in there and trying to push people and be like, oh, you're in resistance and you need to have a bigger experience and then recognizing like, where's that? like my ego and my should, like I'm shooting them, like it should look this way. And like, there's, there's like Mm. the way that the practice is meant to be done where everyone's screaming and crying and orgasming and having a big experience. And if you're like being soft and not doing it or just doing something else, then like you're doing it wrong and I need to fix you or something. So like there's um, the, the noticing and that impulse to want to change or fix and recognizing like yeah where is it that someone actually does need some encouragement they've gone in a freeze or uh they're going into some destructive pattern or or something like that like where do I really do need to intervene and where is it just their experience to have like I found when I've gone to events and I've been in resistance and I've kind of like not done a practice and I'm sitting there in my resistance and I'm like oh actually I'm learning a lesson right now that this actually is resistance and actually I'm hiding and what am I hiding from? And then I kind of go through an internal process being in the resistance and noticing that I'm not doing the thing and why aren't I doing it? And like, there's so much evolution and growth that happens from like just sitting in your resistance. Well, when I've um, actually tried to sit out of things because I've known like, that's not good for my body right now. Like I have like some weird body chronic illnessy things Um, or it's just like, not what I'm meant to be doing. Maybe I'm on my bleed and I'm like, that's just too intense. And then I've had people like push, like you're in resistance. You got to do it, got to do it. And then I eventually Mm -hmm. let down my boundaries and I do it. And then I end up like overwhelming my nervous system or hurting myself or being in pain. And, uh, you know, I'm like, Hey, that wasn't actually resistance. That was genuinely a boundary. And actually what would have been healing for me is to have held my boundary and to be respected in it. And that would have actually been a really nourishing experience for me and maybe just witnessing what everyone else was doing. So for myself as a facilitator, Mm -hmm. I'm always like checking in on that. Like, okay, is my intuition telling me that this is really a time where I do need to call someone in and maybe encourage them? Or is it just that I'm shooting them and I am holding some belief that they should be 
healing or growing or transforming in a way that's like the way that I've done it or the way that I, you know, think it should be done. Oh, I'm so careful of like the ego getting in the way of like having a result, Um, which, yeah, I totally understand. Um, Something that I, I brought with me from kind of dance therapy studies was how if there's a person that we want to connect to, even in the group field, you go and mirror them. Like you don't go and interrupt their process. You don't try to push them. You actually just mirror what they're doing in your body language so mm-hmm. that whatever this person's going into, they're not alone in it. And, mm-hmm. you know, like almost like slowly it starts to unfold from that place. And, you know, I'm starting to track more carefully these little bits that I actually got from the therapy training before I got mm-hmm. into this field that I'm still using because mm-hmm. it's such a piece of nervous system safety in feeling mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm not actually here to do that and go against whatever your experience is. I'm like, I'm going to join you in that experience and try to just understand what's going on yeah, um, and fully trust that everyone's experience is whatever they're meant to be going through at the time. You know, as soon as you choose a theme for a group experience or a temple space, I feel like it's going to reveal what everyone's stuff is around it in any way. Yeah, for sure. Like there's just such a a trust in that piece of like, everyone's going to get what they need to get. And like, you just have to kind of trust that in a way, even if it doesn't look a certain way. And it looks like they've just, you know, even in breath work, sometimes I'll be like, this person looks like nothing's happening at all. And do I need to like, breathe, 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 come on. (laughs) And I feel like I need to push. And at some point I just kind of surrender. And then afterwards they're like, wow, I was like flying through space and having all these epiphanies. And they had like the most powerful transformation in the group, but it looked like nothing was happening. And I've just had that happen like time and time again. So that, you know, again, just really teaches me um, like, yeah, the importance of just kind of stepping back and just trusting and allowing and knowing that, yeah, people always, they can come to a future event or do a process again, or, you know, if they are kind of missing out on the transmission, like maybe it's just not the time for them. Maybe their nervous system isn't ready for it. Maybe their psyche is not ready for it. And it's fine. And not every practice is for everyone. Like they don't need to get the transmission of every single practice to have a worthwhile transformation in your space in general. Yeah. I've had a, I've had some people fall asleep in, (laughs) I was doing a temple space called void and it's, it is very much like going down into the subtle body or like into the nervous system stuff. And it's, it's actually nice. Like someone's just been sleeping through half of it and I'm like that trusting that actually that is what your body needs and then Mm. whatever the higher mind or whatever we're trying to access actually knows that that's what the body needs like it's not ready for more intensity so Mm. yeah I'm super happy when someone falls asleep whether it's like body work or (laughs) group space (laughs) like that's safety (laughs) for me yeah yeah for sure Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and found it inspiring. You can connect with me on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and through my website, sensualartistry.com and sensualarts.school, where you can get some freebies and sign up to my mailing list to stay in touch. Hope to see you again soon.